0: Do you sleep too well? Do you find yourself unafraid to go in your creepy basement? Are you too comfortable in the dark? Then come to haunted worlds of fun
1: and get the fear scared back into you.
0: On select nights, September 16th through October 29th, we'll frighten you so bad you'll never turn the lights off again. Side effects may include sore throat from screaming, elevated heart rate, fear, hiccups, anxiety, hives, sweaty palms, and raised neck
2: hair. Tickets as low as $29.99 for a very limited time, only at worldsofffun.com. Setting fire to the stoner stereotype, sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine.
0: Hey, Cannabis Radio listeners, welcome back to Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. As many of you know, I'm professor of psychology at the University of Albany. I'm a clinician at Health Psychology Associates in Albany. I write the High Times column, Ask Dr. Mitch, and I also serve on the advisory board at the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. I couldn't be happier because today we have Eric Altieri, the new head of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Eric, thanks so much for joining us on Burning Issues. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. So I'd love to get to the history of how you ended up being in charge and everything, but there's just so much going on right now. Could you sort of let us know what's up as far as uh, state-relevant and federal laws?
1: Absolutely. Um, well, what we've seen so far this year uh, you know, has been an absolute whirlwind when it comes to marijuana law reform and perhaps uh, one of the busiest state legislative cycles uh, we've seen in the movement's history. Um, That's coming at a time where we've seen more resistance at the federal level level than we've seen in probably over a decade. Uh, So while we're seeing very mixed messages coming from the Trump administration, uh, be it from Jeff Sessions or Donald Trump himself, what we are seeing at the state level is we're seeing state legislators really pushing forward with reform in a way that we haven't previously. Um, And that's really um, a perfect example of that is in Vermont, where Just this week, we may see them become the first state to legalize marijuana uh, through their legislative process, as opposed to ballot initiative. We have until tomorrow night um, for the governor to either sign, veto, or let it pass into law without his signature. All signs are seemingly pointing to him, um, at least letting that pass without signature, and we will see Vermont become the ninth state uh, to legalize adult use of marijuana. Um, Important to note, though, that that is much more in line with a D.C. model, where that's simply legalizing the possession and cultivation, um, not the retail sale, uh, but still a very huge step forward, getting us another state here on the East Coast. Um, Those efforts are also still moving forward in places like Rhode Island and Connecticut and Delaware, where legalization's under very serious consideration this year. Um, This is a trend we really haven't seen previously. Um, We typically would see legalization bills stall out, barely get committee hearings if they even got that far. Um, And now they're being treated with a level of credibility that we would never have really expected previous years. Um, And that's largely because of our victories at the ballot box Um, with eight states in D.C. now fully legal, uh, 30 states with medical marijuana programs. uh, The pressure is really building um, for there to be a big change. Um, And that's where it puts us into this big battle we have coming up um, with the federal government and what they plan to do with states that reform their laws. Um, And we've gotten next to no clarity, really, from the Trump administration in this regard. Certainly, we are very concerned about someone like Jeff Sessions heading the Department of Justice and his comments in regards to how he feels about marijuana. Um, And even most recently, we've got another hint of where they could be going in the form of a signing statement. Um, We recently reauthorized uh, the Rohrabacher-Farr Amendment, which Forbids DOJ from spending their funds on interfering with state medical laws. And as that was put into the budget uh, for renewal, uh, Trump has added a signing statement um, to that, kind of hinting that he may ignore that provision um, if he feels like he wants to. Uh, So I think that while we have a lot to be optimistic about at the state level, we really need to be mobilized, organized, and prepared uh, to push back against any resistance we see from the Trump administration.
0: Man, it's delightful to just hear you talk about this stuff and have it uh, laid out in such an articulate way. Would you mind drawing the distinction between this legislative approach for a state versus the ballot box approach?
1: Absolutely. Well, so far, essentially, all the movement we've seen, especially on legalization for adult use um, and recreational use has been done through the ballot process. Um, And that's simply a group of citizens organizations come together, they draft an initiative, they gather signatures, get it placed on the ballot and it is voted upon by the people, Um, which has really been kind of our end run around working with state governments who have been resistant and moving on this because the people are with us. Uh, Clearly 60% of Americans believe legalization is the way to go. Um, But on the other hand, politicians have been really dragging their feet on getting on board. So we've really pursued the ballot initiative process for all these years uh, because it gave us the wins that we could achieve um, without struggling and being mired in the slow process of state legislation. Uh, unfortunately, only about 20 states have that process available. So we are slowly getting to the point where that's becoming less and less of an option. And, and in many states, it's um, they can have a process where the only the state legislature can put things on the ballot. Some states have no ballot initiative process at all. So we do need to turn our attention to legislation. Um, and we kind of always felt that once we got a number of wins under our belt, that would really begin to ease that process. And I think we are seeing that this year, as evidenced by the states I listed, in New England in particular, um, that are getting ready to move on this. Uh, but that's really the way going forward we'll be putting pressure on our elected officials to move this legislatively, uh, because while we will have some more initiatives coming up, I, I, do fully expect Michigan will likely have something on the ballot in 2018. Uh, a couple other States will probably be voting in 2020, but the future and for much of the country, particularly in the South and the central part of the country where that's not an option, um, we need to get back to working directly with elected officials. This is such a mind-blower to think that there are
0: actually states that don't have a, a ballot initiative. Do you feel like some of the potential success here is because legislators uh, are freed up to vote for something like this in a way that uh, might have cost them an election later?
1: I think that is the case. Uh, you know, we when something gets as high 60% support that we're starting to see for our issue, uh, it becomes a political liability to be against it. Um, and A lot of that is thanks to a lot of the great work uh, our Normal chapters on the ground have done over the years, as well as the other drug reform organizations, in building this political power base um, and making it obvious that this is an issue that people will act on, they will vote on it, and they will call out their officials when they do the wrong thing. Uh, And We've really made that a priority this year here at Normal um, in terms of citizen engagement. Uh, We're seeing higher numbers of elected official contact from our supporters than we've seen in pretty much any other year. Um, We've generated well over 50,000 individual contacts on most of these federal bills. Uh, On these state level bills, we're seeing super high levels of engagement. We are having a record number of state lobby days being hosted by normal chapters across this country. Um, We've already had about two dozen. So we're making sure that we're there, we're present, and we're making our voices heard. And that kind of pressure is really what got us to the point where we can actually seriously consider the likelihood of legalization by legislative activity. And that's happening now. Um, So I think that for as uh, scary as some of the things we're hearing from people like Jeff Sessions are, we are also seeing that motivate people in a way that perhaps they got complacent under an Obama administration where he took a very hands-off approach. People are beginning to realize um, that it's not all smooth sailing from here to 50 states with legalization. It's going to have to be fought for and our gains are going to have to be defended.
0: It's hard to uh, accept, but really all this hard work that's uh, gone in the past still needs to be
1: defended. Absolutely, because it's actually far easier to really roll this back than many people would perhaps like to admit. It would be a simple matter of the Department of Justice either pursuing RICO charges or just issuing some letters and cease and desist against a couple of operators in legal states to really have a chilling effect across the whole industry. Uh, because to a degree, uh, a large number of particularly the capital that's going in to operate and open up these dispensaries and cultivators and the folks that are getting involved on that end they are doing it as a you know investment financial calculus um, and if they see that risk getting too high uh, we may see that financial support dry up which would really stall the growth in these states um, you will see less people applying for licenses less people willing to put their money and their names on the line to do this uh, so there it doesn't necessarily require nor do we ever expect it to be, DEA agents on the ground arresting individual marijuana smokers in legal states, uh, but they could, from a distance and with the stroke of a pen, really begin to set back our progress. Uh, so I think it's important to realize that while we have really had a huge number of victories and we've made so much progress, it is possible for them to really push that back um, you know, over the course of the next couple of years if we aren't careful oh man it's a harsh thought but uh just
0: requires more effort from us hey as my cannabis radio brother vivian mcpeak says we gotta pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws it's dr mitch Earlywine with eric altieri of normal we'll be right back with more burning issues
2: more burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors Only on CannabisRadio.com
0: Hey Cannabis Radio listeners We're back with Burning Issues It's Dr. Mitch Earlywine here With the head of normal, Eric Altieri Eric, I uh, love how you mentioned How much work is really part of those folks Who have their boots on the ground In the local normal chapters I think folks may be a little confused About how that works Could you walk us through How the chapter thing really gets started And how they get the work done That they do
1: well, normal has always been structured as a rather kind of federated system. Uh, we have the national office here in d c that does media outreach, uh, federal lobbying, bill drafting for state legislatures, um, and all that kinds of work and resource building. Uh, but the actual you know true soldiers of the the war against uh, marijuana prohibition are volunteers that are on the ground. We have over 150 chapters uh, across the country, as well as a fair few international chapters. Uh, They are volunteer-led. Individuals reach out to us. They say, we want to get involved in changing the laws in our community. Uh, We help them through the process of setting up their own local nonprofit. They get the normal name, um, and they begin to advocate on behalf of marijuana consumers in their local areas. Um, We provide them the resources to help them do that. Uh, so I would highly encourage everyone to go to normal.org slash chapters, find the local chapter in their area, get involved, help with the local and state lobbying and the organizing that needs to be done. If there's not a chapter, please contact us. We will help you set one up. It is far easier than you would think. Uh, and you really do have an impact. Uh, and I think a great example of how Volunteer citizen advocates can change laws directly. Is what happened in Kansas City this year. Uh, Kansas City Normal led an effort to get decriminalization put on the ballot for the city, and it was just passed about a month ago by an overwhelming margin—about seventy-four percent of the vote, I believe, at the final count—approved making marijuana possession a just a civil infraction, uh, you know, similar to a parking ticket. So now thousands of people will not have their lives ruined in Kansas City. Not because of professional suits and ties here in D.C. Uh, doing, you know, the house of cards style shady political work, but because people in their own communities decided to get involved, change the laws, and rectify what they saw as an injustice in their own backyard.
0: And again, that's n o r m l dot o r g slash chapters if you want to find out about the chapter in your community. Eric, you also allude to some things that are going on federally. I know nobody has a crystal ball, and it's hard to even keep track of what's going on right now, but could you give us a feel for your sense of how things are right there in D.C.?
1: It's very tenuous here in D.C. Uh, We do have things to be hopeful about. For instance, the formation of the First Congressional Cannabis Caucus, which is a bipartisan group of legislators here that have come together to fight for reforms um, that we want to see passed. On the other hand, we have what is at best uh, murky messaging coming from the Trump administration. So what we really need to focus on is defanging the DOJ, and that could be done uh, through Congress. Uh, One thing Jeff Sessions did say that I believe is to, to be true is he said, I simply am here to enforce the laws. If you don't like the laws, have Congress change them. Uh, so that is where we need to put our efforts, um, whether that is through the Respect State Marijuana Laws Act uh, introduced by Representative Werbacher from California, or the Ending Marijuana Prohibition Act, or any number of our our feder- currently pending federal bills, or uh, what is most likely to actually happen this year. Is uh, the amendment process to the budget, which we've seen previously? Uh, We've had the Rohrbacher Farr Amendment. Uh, This year it'll be the Rohrbacher Blumenauer Amendment since uh, Representative Farr's retired from Congress. That bans DOJ from using their funds to interfere in state approved medical programs. Um, And that's been consistently approved and added to the budget, um, at least for the last year or so. What we need to set our sights on for 2017 is the McGlintock Polis Amendment, which is fairly similar to Rohrbach or FAR, except it expands those protections to include recreational marijuana states. Uh, So if we can cut off the purse strings at DOJ and just hinder their ability to use any of their budget focused on interfering with state-approved marijuana laws, that really begins the process of providing a sense of security to the industry and to those folks on the ground, and building political support for our ultimate goal, which is the descheduling of marijuana, um, removing it from the Controlled Substances Act, and finally putting an end to this federal-state tension. We expect that budget fight to happen in September. Um, Normal will be hosting their conference in Lobby Day in Washington, D.C. from September 10th through the 12th, and that will be focusing on working the amendment process and encouraging our federal officials to add the, the Glintock Polis and Rohrbacher blumenauer amendments to the budget, which would defang and cut the purse strings off at DOJ and allow states to have at least some sense of security when it comes to their marijuana reforms.
0: Well, and Eric, I feel like, hey, I'm just one guy sitting in a little town. What could I possibly do to help pass
1: these important federal laws? Well, you know, and I'd imagine kind of in the age we are in, uh, there's plenty of other groups kind of shouting the same thing from the rooftops, but everyone needs to be engaged with their elected officials um, at the local, state, and federal level. Uh, They are surprisingly responsive to constituent pressure. Um, And I think one example I've always had for that um, was when we were fighting for a legalization bill in Maine, for instance, Uh, What we did at Normal was we reached out to our supporters that lived in the chair of the committee's district, uh, who was blocking our votes and not even bringing the bill up. They reached out and called and sent emails. And even just about 100 people doing that led that individual to call my office and beg us to turn off the spigot of, of communications, and he gave us the hearing. Uh, Because what typically happens, um, and I guess that's becoming slightly less true in this um, age of, you know, really high political engagement we're seeing, you know, post the November election. But for the most part, legislators barely hear from their constituents about anything. So if you can have you and 10 of your friends all call your federal official, whether it's your rep or senator, about one particular issue that's a groundswell to them, um, just simply because they don't hear often enough from the people who put them in office. And politicians live and die by being reelected. And if they begin to think that acting a certain way on an issue can lead to them losing their job, they tend to begin to adjust. Uh, So for folks across the country, I'd encourage you to please be calling your elected officials up and down the spectrum and advocating for reform and making your voice heard because it does have an impact.
0: Eric, you had started at normal in the communications department. I'm curious if you could tell us what it's like uh, being, you know, in the the position you're in and uh, sort of inheriting the the crazy time that you
1: did inherit. Well, it's, it's certainly been an interesting journey thus far Uh, when I accepted the position middle of last year and agreed to come on board around November of 2016, I didn't necessarily anticipate the environment I'd find myself in. Uh, but I'm glad to be here for that fight, because this is really, to me, uh, the make or break time uh, for our movement. Uh, if we begin to lose ground, we could be looking at another drawn out fight for you know a decade or more. But if we take our stand, we begin to actually use this pressure to push upward against the federal government and get federal reforms in place, that will mark the turning point for us. Um, and it will be, <clears throat> once we can remove ultimately remove marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act, uh, that will pave the way for 50-state legalization, uh, much in the way that ending federal prohibition of alcohol led the way for 50-state legalization of alcohol. Well, so
0: I'm curious, under those circumstances, it sounds like uh, folks really need to be helping you guys out as much as possible. How are you guys keeping the lights on?
1: Well, uh, I will say that we are very pleased with how our supporter base has has stepped up since November. They've, after the initial shock of, of the elections were off and the celebratory nature at least around our new victories, um, once we began to see that movement happening, um, particularly, Jeff Sessions being appointed as the attorney general. Uh, Our supporters have stepped up both in terms of contacting their officials, engaging in chapters, as well as grassroots donations. Uh, Normal is overwhelmingly supported by grassroots donations. Our average contribution this year has been $29. Um, So it's really a lot of small donors helping fuel this fight. And that's actually the way we really prefer it here at Normal. Um, As you likely know, Mitch, um, Normal is the marijuana consumer's lobby, and we very much like to maintain that independence from the industry um, and be able to fight for laws that benefit everyday Americans um, and not necessarily larger businesses that are moving into this space. Uh, So it's mostly through these small individuals who do support us. Um, A lot of our great attorneys on our NLC also as well, Um, we're doing well, and I think people are responding to our expanded efforts of citizen engagement as well as um, really the strong stance we've decided to take um, in opposing um, the agenda that's being put forth by the Department of Justice.
0: Well, my hearty thanks, Eric. It's just great hearing your voice and listening to all the information you have right at your fingertips. It really helps everyone keep their delightful support in normal. We do have to call it quits right now, but I'll be back with another chapter in Self-Compassion and the Art of Activism. Please come right back for more Burning Issues.
2: More Burning Issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors.
1: National Cannabis Industry Association presents the fourth annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 12th to the 14th at the Oakland Marriott City Center in Oakland, California. Register now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com. Meet industry leaders over three days of informative sessions and visit hundreds of vendors along the more than 80,000 square feet of sold-out expo floor. Hear from over 100 thought leaders headlined by feature keynote speaker, former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox. Join us at the epicenter of the cannabis movement sponsored by the industry's only national trade association the fourth annual cannabis business summit and expo june 12th through the 14th register now at cannabisbusinesssummit.com
0: Equio, new frontier's cutting edge big data platform puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business go to
2: www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today Again, that's www.equio.io.
0: Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Voober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Boober vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Boober way.
2: Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com.
0: Hey, and we're back. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine with another chapter in Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. Hey, this is the part of our show that helps us support ourselves and each other. I'd like to get into a topic today called behavioral activation. I get some wild emails that folks send about the idea of cognition. We've talked a lot about how our thoughts contribute to our moods. But they say, hey, I I feel like I'm caught in my thought here and I'm just sitting in the chair not getting any happier, not getting the things I value done. Well, I completely understand and, hey, so does the field. And so a number of psychologists have developed a, a strategy for life and a psychotherapy for depression called behavioral activation. It really rests on one big idea, the key to changing how you feel is changing what you do. I know that sounds overly simplistic, and it's easy to misinterpret it as an invitation to party all the time. In fact, there's nothing wrong with partying a little more if you're not having enough fun, but really the things that folks do that make them happy are often the things they do that help them achieve the goals they want to achieve, Or behave in ways that are consistent with their values. And that's really what behavioral activation is all about. What should we emphasize under these circumstances? Well, let's find the activities that are naturally reinforcing for us. As uh, my dad likes to quote Hemingway as saying, good is what you feel good after. What are the things that you do that afterwards you think, man, that was time well spent or wow, I feel really good now. And often it's exercise, eating right, interacting with people who are really meaningful to you. And as we build these kinds of reinforcing activities into our days, what a surprise. We have more energy. We're capable of still more activation and our moods are better, too. How is this really working It's sad but true. You've got to schedule activities that follow a plan, not just your mood. So it sounds corny, but planning your work and working your plan is the way to build these kinds of naturally reinforcing activities into your day. Hey, I hate to sound like a compulsive, but if I sit down and go, at 9 o'clock, I'm going to do this. At 10 o'clock, I'm going to record my podcast. At 11 o'clock, I'm going to see a client. At 12 o'clock, I'm going to have lunch with a friend. If I then follow that schedule, regardless of how I feel, at the end of the day, I'm going to say, wow, this was a pretty good day. I actually got something done that matters to me. What's funny here is that small starts lead to big changes. It's easy to make a list of things that you value and think, wow, I want to write a book. (laughs) Well, I can't write a book in one day. I can't do some of these larger projects. I have to start small. But if I chip away, if I break these things down into doable chunks, it makes such a difference. And then these small starts really can lead to big changes and suddenly... I'm making more and more progress emphasizing the activities that are naturally reinforcing for me. So if it looks like you've got a cubic mile of basalt to wipe away with one hand, unfortunately that can be depressing. But if I say, hey, I just need to wipe away a little bit of this each day, suddenly you get a whole lot better. Uh, Everybody knows Marsha Linehan from the Dialectical Behavior Therapy world and she tells a story about her mom refinishing furniture her mom would go out in the garage with a chair and it would be ugly and hideous and horrible and she'd gotten it for a dollar somewhere and then she would just rub on it for half an hour with a piece of sandpaper and it wouldn't look any different but after a month of that in she would bring a brand new beautiful looking chair and it's these small starts these little baby steps that add up to big changes in the world And then the big point related to this is don't just talk, you really got to do. I would even go as far as to say, don't even talk, just do. If you've got a goal like this, if you've got activities you want to increase, if you've got naturally reinforcing fun stuff to do in your life, schedule it out, lay it out in your day and don't even tell anybody, just go ahead and do it and All of a sudden, you'll have this secret mood and everybody will wonder what you're up to and you won't even have to say because it's really the secret behind behavioral activation. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. I really appreciate all the support. If you guys do want to get in touch, reach me at 420research at gmail.com. That's the numbers 420 and research. At gmail.com, I try to answer everybody I can, and I'm always delighted to get your feedback. As I always say, follow your heart and let the data be your
2: guide.
0: Imagine your new bathroom